Welcome back, everybody. It is episode 48. I believe it's episode 48 of Thoughts from the Shade. It is a sad day, a sad time in the greater Philadelphia area for all the processors, all the Sixers fans out there. But Bob and I are here to shed some light on, on what went down against the Heat and, and for our Sixers. Uh, so we just got to start off the top with the autopsy. Uh, so we'll throw it over to Bomb, check in on him, and then we'll get right to it. What's up, Bomb? Clap your hands, everybody. Play it! Play for it! For Philadelphia's largest group of assholes. I mean, if, if I hear <laughs> that goofy song this summer played in the bars down the shore, and you see the the bearded guys in their mid mid twenties, early thirties with the rimmed glasses, like they're teaching a fucking class at Hogwarts, sucking down an IPA, banging the ceiling, singing the damn song down the shore. I'm gonna lose it. I'm gonna lose it. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you say that off the top because I kind of forgot between like the end of the series and recording this now. But that was like one of the first things I thought about after the debacle that was the heat series. Like I don't want to be in a bar this summer and and hear that fucking song. It's, it's unacceptable. It's a complete and utter violation. The song is dead until they make it past the second round. The process is also dead. Okay. The process is also dead. Uh, This goes beyond the franchise. This goes beyond doc rivers. This goes beyond Ben Simmons. This loss is on one group of people, and it's the processors. If you co-signed the process, that means you were behind getting rid of, uh, or no, sorry, you were behind Roco. Remember Roco and Dario draft and stash? Dario. Good job, Bob. The first piece of the process was getting rid of Drew Holiday. Well, Drew Holiday is an NBA champion, okay? Then we had MCW, and he was such a, oh, he was a stat stuffer. We're going to flip him for a piece. Then we're going to get Nerlens Noel in his flat top like it's the fucking Fresh Prince of Bel-Air in 1982. He's going <laughs> to run around and block 10 shots a game while giving you four points. Then we're going to go out and get Big Ja, who played for Coach K. He knows how to play in the post. I mean, people were talking about this guy like he was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with a fucking skyhook in 2012. I mean, disgusting. You, the fan. I mean, it's like the Willy Wonka meme. Like, where? how do we get Willy Wonka on the horn here to say, no, you are the asshole. You are the problem. I don't even know what to say, man. Like, you, you do think about, like, and a lot of people argue that the process ended in 2016 when Hickey got jammed out and everything. And I, I don't think we're here to, to argue that. I think it's just that, like, every year at the end of the Sixer season, it ultimately ends in a, in a playoff exit too early. And I even said it on the show before, like, I will never let this team fool me. But at the same time, like, you are a fan at heart, or I, I am a fan at heart, and you want to see them win. Uh, and they did some admirable shit, you know, in game three and four coming back, stealing the momentum, and then they just crap down their leg. Um, so you just can't help ever leaving a season of Sixers basketball not feeling conned by the organization. Gee, do you, do you want to give any props to your boy Bomb in, in terms of the comp that he had post-trade, you know, with Harden? There was a comp that I threw out there. Uh, C-Web. 
Chris Weber. We traded for fucking C-Web. And then the, the best part. Here's the best part. This is how you know you've just been totally fleeced. What, 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 what's, the, what's the total dollar amount on, on Harden's deal next year? Isn't it like 46 mil, somewhere around there? 47 and change on the player oh, option. Sorry, yeah. I you know, 47. So they ask him right after the game, literally, like you're, they're off the court. They just got bludgeoned. And they ask him, James, are, are you going to opt in next year? Wasn't even a hesitation. He just grabbed that fucking bag. He knows it's a scam. I mean, come on. This is unbelievable. Fleeced. Fleeced in Philly. That's what these processors did. You ended up with Joel Embiid and a washed up, basically, C-Web level player. Yeah, it's true. And you, you, I mean, you ran down some of the picks. I mean, you, you think back to, to Jaleel and then who else? I mean, obviously Foltz. Um, Nerd had, Noel, the Shaplacker. You had the Zaire Smith debacle. I mean, Christ. You, you traded dra- Bridges. You drafted Mikhail Bridges and then you fucking traded him. And like, I don't know. Like, there is a contingent of the fan base that's like not, not okay with it, but like the people are still down there clapping their hands, stomping their feet singing the song when when really all of this has really netted is Embiid and now Maxi, uh, but he's like still pretty young and, and raw, not not the big three that we were told we had in March and April. Um, no, it's, it's just a con job every year, and it's already starting for next year. People talking about, well, if Harden takes less money and they get rid of Tobias, they can bring in another star, and, and ESPN's already – Drumming up the reports that big blowhard Brian Windhorse is talking about he is talking about Daryl Morey and he's poised to make a big move and bring in another star. Like and the first guy you hear about is like Bradley Beal. And what has Bradley Beal ever done? I mean, it just feels like kind of like a Tobias replacement, like a guy that's been on a shit team that's put up good numbers and is isn't gonna move the needle that much, I don't think, on this team. I mean, I, I'm speechless. I don't know what to say. You mentioned Toby, one of the Pogo bros. We have to pour one out for the other Pogo bro. He blew a uh, a rubber bottom. Uh, poor Danny Green. Those legs, I mean, I could have told you an injury was coming. Those legs aren't mo- meant to move that way. They're like bowed. He Pogo sticks up and down the floor, and then he gets bashed by Embiid. Hate to see it. Sorry for Danny Green. But they got too many of these guys that are fringe guys. They're... They'll play in like a, a, a little tiny market uh, up in Portland or like Memphis and put up, you know, 18 or 19 a game. And then they come to Philly. They're expected to be a piece and they stink. And that's just what happens in this town. But, you know, we, we could talk about the players at nauseum. I've ripped the fans. It, you know, we could talk about Doc Rivers and we, listen, everybody's talking about Doc Rivers. I need to talk about. 76ers ownership. And let's just dive into this. You know I can't stand Michael Rubin. You know it, right? Like yep. just this guy runs that that goofy Fanatics. You know, I, I ordered a T-shirt from Fanatics the one time, like a Phillies spring training. You know the shirts they wear under the jerseys? Like the nice dry fit Nike. Like, you know, you wear it to the gym. You can wear it out to a game. Like, you know, it looks like a nice shirt. Comes in the mail. The logo is totally smudged. Like, they botched the screen printing. I'm like, what is this? He doesn't have the Phillies jerseys ready. You know, Fanatics is the producer of the Phillies jerseys. He didn't have the powder blues ready at the beginning of the year. This guy's more interested in wearing Yeezy-looking hoodies on the sideline, jumping up and down like a bozo, 
and that's just a minority partner. Then you turn to Harris Blitzer, the majority partner, the guy who owns the Devils. He owns the Sixers. He wants a new, how about this? He wants a new stadium down near Old City where all his fans hang. You know, you gotta make it a little easier for the Fishtown guys to get down to the game. So he wants a new stadium. So then it comes out mid-series, right? You're the owner of the franchise. You're in a dogfight against Miami. Your, your star player's out there playing with a broken face. And you're putting together an investment group with Magic Johnson to buy the Denver fucking Broncos? Am I crazy? What is going on in the middle of the fucking series? Yeah, it's a joke, man. It, it, they're all, it's all about the bag. They, they've made it clear. Um, they, they don't care about winning. I mean, you, you mentioned the New Jersey Devils. It's a horrific franchise. It's not in a great place. Um, but I, I want to go back to, to Danny Green because we, we saw what happened in game five, right? Just just to get back to, to the basketball a little bit. But, you know, Embiid comes back, looks good. Sixers tied up. Then they go down to Miami. He didn't win MVP. Some people say that's why it was moping. Some people say it's because he was hurt. Either way, it's the playoffs. You're on the floor. I need a little more juice, all right? You know, got to play. If you're out there, you got to play. I'm not totally blaming Joel for, for the loss or for what happened, but you, you got you to gotta nut up, all right? That's, that's what the greats do. You want to be MVP. You want to be great. You want to be remembered. That's what you got to do. He didn't do it. Um, game five was what it was. They got absolutely run out of the building, turned it off by, what, halftime or the third quarter? But then I'm out to dinner on Thursday night, and, and I'm getting in a little late, tuning in a little late to game six back in Philly. So I'm in the car coming home from dinner. It was my dad's birthday. And uh, I got, what's his name? Tom McGinnis on. Tom McGinnis, baby. So he's he on. Again. He's way too good. Allen Iverson. Yeah, he's the best. He's the best in the biz all by himself and you know down what on else? the floor. Like, not, not, I hate to cut you off here. Spare me the zoo love last year. The real guy that I like the entire time is McGinnis. Yeah, he does it by himself, which is like the coolest part. But nah, he he's so good. So many punchlines, taglines. But um, I'm I'm driving home from dinner in the car when when the Danny Green injury happens, and McGinnis is like the most enthusiastic, upbeat, uh, exciting announcer in the sports that I listen to now. I, I would probably say he's he's got to be top three, top five in terms of just like energy and excitement. I mean. The way that he reacted to the Danny Green injury, you you would have thought that Michael Jordan was falling on by like Shaquille O'Neal, and and that some man of a size snapped Michael Jordan's leg in like the all deciding game of a playoff series. Like it's the Danny Green injury sucked the life out of McGinnis, and then I get home and turn the TV on. The game's still close and in the balance early there. It sucked the life out of the building, honestly. Like, you talk about the fans. They they embody how the team is. One, one little piece of adversity, one bump in the road, and all the juice is gone. I'm glad you said it. I'm glad you brought it back to the fans because th- what we're witnessing in real time is one of the greatest social experiments of all time in all of fans and all of sports. They have conditioned these processors to losing being a good thing for the franchise, losing being a good thing for your future, your personal future. Now, I don't know about you. I'm not really planning on living much past hopefully 85, right? If I get 85 years out of my body, 
I'll be thrilled. And this franchise decided to throw five of those years away. It wasn't even a watchable pro- product. It wasn't even something you could go down uh, on a date night or you know go for your bo- go with your boys and have a couple beers and a bite to eat before the game. No, we're just going to flush those five seasons down the toilet. And I think there's a longer lasting effect, not only with the players, not only with a guy like Embiid who fashions himself by the nickname that is the process, but with the fans, the guys who are coming of age, the guys who were maybe, you know, uh, uh, 12, 13, 14, or in their teens, or in college during the time in which the process occurred. There's a longer lasting effect. These people have been conditioned to accept being a loser. These people have been conditioned to accept that adversity, it just is what it is. It wasn't our year. It wasn't our year. It's disgusting. This is one of the largest social experiments that's being run over a fan base in our lifetime, uh, possibly in all of pro sports. I mean, this was a fraudulent thing that they did. And how, how many times can you say it, it wasn't our year? And how many times can you absolve Embiid of any accountability or a, any part or stake in this? Like, regardless of the issues, whether it's been the roster and his teammates uh, or the injuries, the, the result's been the same. So how does that lead you to believe that next year the result will be any different regardless of, of any adjustments or changes that they make? It won't be, but we'll play the song, uh, you know, uh, we'll ring the bell. You know, maybe we get Charlotte. Maybe, I don't know, can they dig up like Dallas Green? Maybe he can ring the bell next year. I don't know who the hell to to to, to ring the bell. I mean, it, it's disgusting. And then, I told you in real time the night that they lost, you know, people were, well, we're going to get rid of Dak. We're going to get rid of Dak. He's do what? 20 plus mil. I, I don't know the financials for him. I think it's 20 mil. And you got Josh Harris trying to, trying to buy the Denver Broncos. You think he's going to cut him a check and say, see you later. I don't think so. And Darren Morey came out. I, I don't know when the exit presser was. I think it was over the weekend might have been saturday um and maury said he would be back or he said you're that, darn right that, i mean they can't back. to pay two coaches when you're putting an investment group together with magic to buy the broncos james harden's back rivers is back they're they're gonna run it back again they're run, they're running it back can we just pause for a moment on the and talk a little bit about the uh jimmy butler situation after the game uh you might have flipped the channel i didn't you know jimmy butler was basically reminiscing about the good old days and you know he still wishes he was playing with joel and here and and then there's video of him coming off the court screaming in exultation we'll call it exultation tobias harris over me i mean it was like jim Moore, a playoffs playoffs tobias harris over me I've been saying that for years. It's astonishing. They chose Toby and Bobby and Loby and Noby and Ben. And it, the problem, I'm just going to sum it up shortly here. The problem with this fan base is they always look at potential. They never look at results. Jimmy Butler's a fucking winner. The rest of those guys are losers. That's it. That's the bottom line. Yeah, I think you're right. I think everybody just kind of, forgives the mistakes and moves on and then sees them grabbing another 50 wins and winning in the first round and 
blowing out Toronto by 30 in the deciding game and Embiid comes back from the injury. Yeah, it's just it's just disgusting. And I let myself get a little bit excited and, and think I thought they could could beat the Heat. You know, if even if that team as constructed played as they could and as they should, they should have beat the Heat, but they wouldn't have beat Boston. They They wouldn't have won the finals. And it still would have been the same disappointment. We'd still be having the same conversation today. Um, but I mean, aside from like the Embiid injuries and him missing two games and then Mopin in five and six, I mean, he, he really only played two games despite playing four. Um, you you got to look at Doc Rivers. Um, I was looking at, I was reading this article. It was very good. Uh, I, I got to give the guy credit. I got to pull this up real fast. Uh, I think I sent it to you, Bomb. A, by, a guy by the name of Tiago, and, and I'm going to butcher the last name, Scabia, Scabia, thepaintedlines.com. And I guess he was one of the reporters there after game six when uh, when Glenn Rivers challenged the media for somebody to write a story uh, criticizing him or, or t- talking about how, how Glenn does a poor job. Um, but it just talked about like the offensive uh, incompetency of his teams through history. It talked about the weak mental fortitude of his teams uh, dating back to the Clippers and whatnot. And then the lack of adjustments uh, and going to like ISO ball instead of playing pick and roll. And I thought it was really interesting because when you watch the games that the Sixers lost in that series, everybody was just standing around and you had hard and dribbling around like, and then the guy has the audacity to go in front of the media and in front of the camera, all the fans, and tell them that, oh, I did a great job. I do a great job at my job. Like, the guy thinks he's, like, a basketball god because you rode the coattails of, like, one of the best trios in NBA history to one title. Yeah, he, he walks around and talks about himself as if he's, like, a savant. Another thing I, I, I didn't mention in this can article, I, can too. I just, can I just – Cut in here real quick. Yeah, yeah. Just with a short comment before you go on. I genuinely, genuinely believe in my heart of hearts that in in this in this Miami series, if you put Doug Peterson on the sidelines, it would have been a better result. A hundred percent. I mean, even on on the TNT and ESPN like live look-ins at the huddles, this guy wasn't doing anything X's and O's. It was. Keep fighting. If we keep fighting, we're going to win. Just keep fighting. I mean, it was the most basic stuff I've ever seen. And it was like, it, not not scripted, but it just felt like fraudulent the way that he was trying to hype these guys up. Um, but the other thing in this article that I, I was talking about is like his lineup deployment. So the Sixers had this like, their starting five had this like all time or, or great rating uh, for the starting five. But then the guy just shuffled the bench and the rotation, like the rest of the series all year, all playoffs. He didn't get any of like the younger guys, any time that he potentially needed. Like we talked about Paul Reed last week. Uh, there was just no rhyme or reason to anything he did. It's almost like Girardi now with the Phillies, even though they're playing a little bit better, but just no command at the top uh, as the coach. And it's just disgusting to hear him talk to people the way that he does and, and take no accountability. And I'd say the same thing about Joel. You talked about the Jimmy Butler antics uh, after game six. And we just lost the playoffs. Our season just ended. And the first one of the first things Joel Embiid is going to talk about is how he wishes he still played with Jimmy. 
and hinted at retirement and hinted at retirement and hinted at retirement. Hello, is anyone ringing the alarm here? What like what are we doing? Like I read today. How old do you think he is, G? Do you I'm, know this off the top of your head? I think he's 28 or 29. He's 29. Yeah. Next year he's going to be 30. I mean, how many more years are you going to get out of the guy? One or two after 30? Yeah, Seven I mean, he, it's it's been his prime years, and he's found a way to get some nagging injury like every year. I mean, this is – I agree with you. That can't, can't happen. I don't want to hear that after – oh, we – you know, tell tell me tell me about the things you should have done better. Take responsibility. I don't need to hear about you saying, "Oh, I wish I was still playing with Jimmy." Yeah, and after Game Three, when he comes back and they win and they get back in it, he's tweeting off the wire, "Oh, we back, we back," and and every processor and Sixer fan, you know that that I know is blowing up my phone with the meme and Troel, and it's all all good and great. And then he doesn't win the MVP, and he ain't back at all. He gone. He was gone. And, like, you can think that Joel Embiid is a is a great player, which I do, but I think at the same time you can recognize kind of his, like, characteristic shortfalls and shortcomings. And I don't know. I, I just can't get down with the guy when he's trolling and then he's feeling sorry for himself and he, he's not playing up to MVP level because – he didn't win. I get it that he's hurt, but dude, like, I just can't get I can't get behind it. I don't I don't even know what to say. There's nothing left to say. We've we've said it all. Fans, ownership, Embiid, Harden, the GM, the coach. Uh, I I don't know what else to say. I mean, the the only thing I'll close with is you as a fan, if if you if you uh, were down there at any point this season or we're at a playoff game, and I'll exclude our one buddy who, who who gave up his tickets. I was shocked he was down there for game six. Is that game six? Shocked he didn't sell the seats knowing what was coming. Knowing what was – I mean, it would be like – it would be like, uh, you know, going to Hiroshima, uh, uh, you know, late at the end of World War II. Like, we all know what's coming. And yet, he went anyway. So I'll give him some respect for watching – the death in real time. But the fact of the matter is most of these Sixers fans, most of these processors co-signed these results. You know, if you look at a public company, if you look at a company that's traded, uh, you know, on the stock exchange, right? They have a board of directors and those board of directors are responsible for the shareholders. They're responsible for the financial health of the company. They're responsible for the company's success, ultimately. As a fan, you have that same responsibility. You are the one spending dollars. You are one of the shareholders. And in, a, in effect, you are a member of the board by showing up or not showing up, by turning on the TV or not turning on the TV. Far too many people have allowed this inept franchise to continue their merry way, selling you the snake, you know, the snake with the logo, all the new gear, they changed the logo. They went back to the retro gear. I see guys buying Spectrum jerseys. Cut me a fucking break. Cut off the dollars. It'll all stop. It has to. I think I think the point that I'm just trying to make about Embiid is, like, if he's your leader, if he's your MVP, if he's your, your face of the franchise and he's the process, 
you know, people are going to follow his lead. And when things are going great, he's trolling and it's funny and they're winning and they're beating the Pistons. But when they lose, it's it's never about him. You know, there's never any accountability to the Kawhi shot. Th- there's there's always some sort of drama. What, Jimmy Butler, he's gone. Uh, or I, I don't feel good. And if I don't play, then I'm soft. But if I do play bad, then I'm no good. So it's a lose-lose for me. Like, I don't think that he's a bad player. I think he's a great player. And I, I enjoy watching him. But I just don't think he is the guy. And I don't think he can be the guy. He's 29 now. He hasn't become the guy. He hasn't matured to be like that cold-blooded killer. He he gets knocked around, flops around, and, and whines about it when it's not going his way. And, and that's the truth. Can I ask you something? Let's say they, they roll with Harden next year, and it's the same team. And the same thing happens. Will Sixers fans co-sign another process by by trading the process? Would you? I'd do it now. I'd get rid of them now. I'd trade them right now. I don't know what the answer is, but yeah, I mean, it's getting to the point where the guy's going to be 30 years old. He's got a lot of miles on the tires. It's unbelievable. And and the last thing I'll say is, like, even though they lost games one and two, they had a lot more jump and a lot more fight behind the efforts of, like, Tobias Harris in games one and two in Miami. And that's a sad thing to say when people will go to bat no matter what happens for a guy that's never gotten out of the second round uh, in Joel Embiid. It, it's, it's astounding. But... We'll look forward to running it back. Glenn will be back, even though people aren't putting a whole lot of stock in the Maury statement, but Glenn will be back. Harden will be back in the bag. If you think he's taking a player-friendly deal or a team-friendly deal so they can bring in somebody else, you need to get your head checked. Um, yeah, we'll have a couple new bench pieces, maybe a backup center, and we'll run it back. We'll have 50 wins, and we'll get knocked around too, and we'll have the same conversation next May. Yeah. I mean, this summer is going to be telling because in August you'll see, you know, the bearded, horned, rim, glass, glasses, Minerva McGonagall from hard Hogwarts looking processors pouring an IPA and singing the song. And I'm here to tell you, if you are a Philadelphia fan, a true Philadelphia fan, a guy who wants to every season should be fought for hard. If you hear the song, you have to boo. If you hear the song, you have to intervene. Not physically, but walk up to the guy who's singing. Say, listen, pal, hit, hit him with the, you know, the neck, you know, uh, wave, the cutoff. Hey, listen, pal, cut the, listen, what are we doing here? It's been five years of this shit. No, no more. No, no more. I, I, I'm, I'm here to tell you I'm leading the charge. No more of this song. And I, I don't, I don't think I want to see like, any Sixers jerseys at the bar in the daytime or anything. Nope. I don't want to nope. see any don't of that wear shit. It. Don't wear it to no shower happy hour. I don't want to see it. Yeah, because it's not, it's no longer like that. This wasn't supposed to be the building time or like the, um, I don't know. You look at teams that win championships, they take a couple lumps early on and, th- and then they get over the hump. We haven't gotten over the hump. 
And it feels like we're just going backwards. That's the other funny thing about Glenn Rivers. He's talked about how he talked about how nobody expected anything of us when I came here. It's like, buddy, you, you, you just got knocked in like game seven of the second round and won like 50 games. We expected to take the next step and you haven't done that. Um, but no, I, I'll, I'll leave it at that. And the people that are the haters of the pot of the pot out here, like, I'm sorry, you, you can, you can put your, put your Sixers hat on, get down to the center next year, blow throw all your beard, cash, throw the glasses on, start your own pod. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you next May. Cause unless the grace of God touches down on earth in South Philadelphia, it's it's gonna be the same exact shit. I guarantee it. What do you think the L looked like the other night? I don't know. Like, do you good. think it, it was, was just it was just IPAs, beards, glasses, and everybody stuffed in a in an Embiid jersey? It probably looked like Joe Allen B did on the court in games five and six. <laughs> just head down, walking, moping, sweating. Just another con job from the Philadelphia 76ers. But they'll be back for your cash next year. <laughs> All right, we got we got we got to take it to a team that we got some hope in here in this city. And I think I mean you could say the Phillies picked it up a little bit. Two out of three over the Mariners, three out of four over the Dodgers. They got the Padres and the Dodgers this week, so it should be a telling next six games for them as well. But with the NFL schedule release uh last Thursday. And, Bob, I'm sure you got a chance to look at it. Um, you know, have you picked out the first game you're, you're going to be attending in person? And just overall, I mean, what are your general thoughts on the schedule? I mean, what kind of win range should should fans be expecting with the schedule? It's a fair question. I mean, I've looked at this in depth. I've looked at this a few different ways. I'll answer your, your, your first question uh, related to wh- which game to get to. Listen, it's tough. Home openers, a Monday night football game against Minnesota. I don't want to watch that. You think I want to stick around and watch Kirk Cousins duel it, duel it out? Come on. I, I'm selling those tickets. Those tickets will be sold, which means the first opener for bomb. And here's what I'm recommending. If you're an Eagle season ticket holder and you're buying uh, you know, tickets, which game should you go to? Bomb's home opener will be Sunday 10-2 against Jacksonville. I will be wearing my number 14 Jags jersey with Doug Peterson on the back. We're going to welcome him home with such open arms. Uh, so that'll be that'll be the opener. I mean, a couple a, a few other things stand out. I mean, Dallas they get at home Sunday night football heading into the bye. I hate that. I really hate it. It feels like a although it's a divisional game, it just feels like a game the Cowboys would come in and steal and leave you with that sour taste heading into the bye. Uh, coming out of the bye, I'll tell you, this is something that you don't hear a lot of when, when other people assess the schedules. Bomb is big on figuring out what is the most tailgatable game of the year. I'm looking at Pittsburgh, Sunday, 10.30, 1 p.m. Wait, hang on a minute. Are you, you going to be a, a teeny bopper? A crop topper? No, no, no. There's going to be a little bit of frost. There's going to be a little bit of frost. Okay. All right. It's also a one o'clock game. You know, you could argue. October 30th. Yep. October 30th. I, I think I think the crop toppers, they love those 425s, you know, in, in September and October. 
One o'clock, you got to be a man up and out of the house by six down in the K lot. When it opens, you got the bourbon, your bourbon going, you got the breakfast sandwiches going. That's not crop topper. crop topper. They're rolling out of bed at 1030. They're heading down to Xfinity. I mean, so I'm telling you right now, the most tailgatable game of the year is Pittsburgh at home Sunday, 1030. I'll see you there. And then it all comes down to, I mean, I'm, you probably can't see it. Actually, here it is. Hang on. You yeah, see I the can note, see it a little bit. The notes I have, there's a game I have on here that just says Super Bowl. Monday, 11-14, Monday Night Football against the Washington Commanders. And I hesitate even calling it a Super Bowl at this stage of the game because by – November, I think this guy very well may have played himself out of the job. I think we could be looking at Taylor Heineke. I was just going to say, I, w- I would I would be really curious if somebody could set odds on if Wentz will be the starting quarterback for Washington that week. That that punk, that 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 thief had the gall to get on, uh, you know, during his press conference during the offseason. I guess they're doing like OTAs or mini camps or whatever. Oh, you know, the fans will talk about it, but it's just another game. It's just another game. Just another game. He's going to shit himself when he comes out of that tunnel. Buddy, it's, yeah, it it, it ain't going to be. You know, if my right shoulder wasn't surgically repaired, you know, what, what's, what is it, Friday Night Lights, where Coach Taylor tells the guys, listen, when we leave the field, keep your helmets on. That's all I got to say. Yeah, so, it'll be like that. That's the, that. Those are really the the big the big things that stand out to the bomb uh, as it relates to, you know, the schedule. The other thing, if you look at it through an analytics approach, I love my man Warren Sharp. Um, he ha- did an interesting analysis on the schedule. He said the Eagles, although they have a statistically easy schedule when you look at opponents and expected wins. Uh, last year in the NFL, there were 28 games in which a team played a road game on a short week. This year, there are 43 such games. Last year, no team had to play more than two road games in a short week. This year, the Eagles play four. Four road games on a short week. We're looking at week three in Washington coming off the week two home opener, Monday night football. We're looking at week nine in Houston on Thursday night, coming off of, uh, uh, of week eight on Sunday. We're looking at week 11 in Indianapolis off of a Monday night football game and week 16 in Dallas on a Saturday, uh, on Saturday off a Sunday game. And that one you really can't do much about cause it's end of the year and they play those games on Saturday. But, I mean, talk about a screw job that, you know, they tell, oh, it's such an easy schedule, this, that, and the other. I'm telling you right now, man, this is the NFL, okay? This is going to be a dogfight, especially when you play so many games on a short week. Yeah, it's funny you brought that up. I had it narrated, too. Uh, Eagles lead the NFL in short week road games in 2022 and have consistently been among the lead leaders in this category over the past decade. Some of that, I mean, you could talk about, the league and, you know, I, I, I don't I, I actually think the league is so dumb they don't really look at it. Uh, I think they look at it as like, oh, the Eagles are a popular team. We're going to put them in primetime, which means Thursday night, which means Sunday night, which means Monday night. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. 
I don't know how many teams like share share football buildings with with another team too. If that goes into a kind of like stadium availability and whatnot, but no, I mean I look at the schedule. You look at the opponents. Um, it's it's a favorable favorable layout uh, in terms of of who they got. I mean I'm I got the schedule in front of me, and it's hard to point to one team on the schedule that you can definitively say right now is better than the Eagles. Now, that's not to say they're going to go 17-0. and 0, um, But, I mean, you look at Detroit, Minnesota, Jacksonville, Arizona, Houston, Pittsburgh, the Giants, obviously, Chicago. Like, these are – those are some dog teams, man. I mean, obviously, you got Dallas twice. That's always a tough game. Uh, Tennessee, I mean – I don't know what they are, but but they've been formidable. Uh, Green Bay, you're not sure what they're going to be like. I mean, Rodgers is back. Adams is not. Um, Indianapolis, I think they have a good team, and they actually have a quarterback this year. I mean, we'll see what's left of Matty Ice. Look for them to take a major step forward this year. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, I mean, but, like, yeah. I mean, I I look at this schedule, and I'm we'll, we'll do game by game maybe in August. Um, I'm, I'm looking for 10 or 11 wins, honestly. Yeah, I think I had them at 11. Yeah, and I, I think before the schedule came out, the Eagles' uh, regular season win total was at 8.5. I checked this morning after the schedule's out. It's 9.5, and, and it's a minus 115 favorite uh, for the over. <laughs> Which means they win the division. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think with this schedule, um, you know, barring everybody staying healthy or staying pretty healthy, you, you got to win the division with this schedule. Any other thoughts on that? Nothing for me. We'll put the NFL on the back burner for a little bit. Maybe see if Howie's got one or two more tricks up his sleeve before we get into uh, training camp, which will be here before you know it. It's starting to feel like summer out finally, thank God. Um, but, Bob, I, I was I was taken back and, and pleasantly surprised this week when you know we were leading up to the show, playing the show, and – so what do you want to talk about? You hit me with the NHL playoffs. Um, I ha- I haven't got to watch as much as I would have liked thus far. Uh, I, I know I've made it known on the pod. NHL playoffs are my favorite. I think it's the most exciting thing to watch. Um, but d- due to my loyalty to the con artist Philadelphia 76ers, uh, I tuned into them and, and skipped out on some good some good playoff hockey. Um, but we're on to the second round starting here Tuesday night. Down to eight teams, four in each conference. Uh, I, th- I think all the series left should be pretty good, barring one. But uh, maybe I'll give a couple picks at the end of the segment here. But, I mean, what do you want to get into on the NHL, Bob? I mean, great to watch the Lightning dispose of of uh, Toronto. I thought overall the first round was exciting. A ton of games go to go to seven. Briefly, I mean, I the best game seven in my mind was Calgary and Dallas. I mean, I, I, I don't know how many. It's a shame. I don't. I don't know how many people had the opportunity to, to watch the uh, the series, let alone game seven. I, I I was able to watch it. I watched one of the most spectacular goaltending performances I've ever ever seen. Uh, this kid uh, Jake Ottinger with the Dallas Stars. I mean, all series he had a really nice series uh win loss record unfortunately three and four 
1.81 goals against, 954 save percentage. Um, over the course of the seven games, he faced 285 shots, the most of any playoff goalie. In game seven, a game that they lost 3-2 in overtime, game winner from Jersey and Gloucester Catholic Zone, Johnny Hockey, Johnny Gaudreau. This poor guy faced 67 shots. I think it was 26 to four in the second period. The ice was tilted to the point where Calgary was so winded that 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 Sagan basically almost snuck a goal in in overtime when they were back on their heels a little bit. But I mean, just what a spectacular game! What a spectacular moment! Uh, seeing the red, the Red Sea, Calgary. The other thing I wanted to mention. Uh, and I want to get your take on this. Maybe, maybe, maybe this isn't a, a PC for the pod. Calgary. Calgary may have the most beautiful female fans in all of hockey. I feel like every time it's the playoffs and I'm flipping on like a Calgary Flames game and they, they, they show the, the coach behind, there's always like a ton of lookers like in, in the stands. I mean, it's like spectacular. I never see that at Flyers games. I mean, I, I don't think I don't think there's anything wrong with calling out the beautiful women at a hockey game. I mean, what, what's the matter with that? Well, would you agree? Like, Cal, is there something like what is it with Calgary? I don't know. I I, I honestly don't know. I, I I don't watch a ton of Calgary. I, I was gonna say, you know, you watching Stars Flames Game Seven on Sunday night at 10 p.m. I mean, it's NHL with bomb after dark. I mean, it's unbelievable work out of you. Um, but a lot, a lot of people were talking, and anybody that's that's paying attention to the NHL playoffs and specifically the TNT broadcasts, um, you know, with the cast of characters in the studio for them, uh, there was there was a woman sitting behind Dallas Stars head coach. I think his name's Rick Bonus or Boas, Bonus, and uh, a lot of people were were quick to call her out um, and, and notice her. And I'm I'm just gonna leave it at that. Um, but yeah, the puck bunnies are out there, man. And I'm sure, you know, wherever the game is bigger, there's more puck bunnies. And Calgary, Canada, you know, people love the hockey up there. Because they probably don't have much else. Like, it's just like, what do you have? Just uh, Canadian Football League? Yeah, like you talked about Sixers for date night or whatever. Like, that's the thing in Canada is like the big night out is at, at the Flames game or at the Leafs game or at the Oilers game. Yeah, like if you're taking a chick that you're talking to to Game Seven in Calgary, like chances are you're having a pretty solid night. You're you're doing something right. Yeah, and then I guess the only other Game Seven I want to get your take: Rangers Penguins at the Garden, which is d- disgusting. Watching those fans and how they really think they're great fans because of a building, it's despicable. And, and then you know they 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 end up winning. Uh, 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 Panarin. And, and, yeah, Panarin. Uh, who's like a little, a little runt of a guy, and he slams one home, and they, you know, they do the, they love doing the jump against the glass, and, and then you get, you get Sid the kid Crosby. In that press conference, it was disgusting, what he said. Uh, for those of you who didn't see it, one of the guys on Pittsburgh got, you could argue, taken down from behind. Uh. His helmet came off in the in the scuffle or kerfuffle or whatever you want to call it. And the rule is, you know, you got to leave the ice or put your helmet back on. You can't continue play. So this guy leaves the ice 
And uh, <clears throat> yeah, the Rangers tie it up. So you got Crosby, you know, saying, "Well, we played, we played a good, uh, a good game, uh, game seven, and we just caught a bad break with a bad rule. It was a bad rule." Um, no, that's not what it was. It's called your teammate is a pussy. This guy got dragged down from behind. Uh, the other guy was giving him basically a, a face wash with with his glove. His helmet comes off. And his first thought is, oh, my God, I need to get off the ice. No, your first thought when you get dragged down by a guy and your helmet comes off and you can no longer be a part of the play is you drop your gloves and you go right then and there. Play stops. You beat the piss out of the guy. There's no issue. But this guy's throwing his hands up. I mean, he looked like Joel Embiid and James Harden looking for a call, throwing his arms in the air. You know, when he knows that that, that the ref didn't see it. Um, and then skates off the ice. I mean, it was disgusting. Just what you'd expect out of Pittsburgh. I do got to say, just, I mean, obviously as a Flyers fan, and it's hard to even call myself that right now or, or to stand behind a franchise like that. But the atmosphere and the goal songs, both in Pittsburgh and at Madison Square Garden, are second to none. Like, I think they're two of the best goal songs, electric atmospheres, in hockey and you you just don't see that at Wells Fargo you got a half empty barn every night but to to your point on the play I get it like you can you can get up and, and scrap with the guy uh, but chances are if if they didn't make the first call and you go and reta- retaliate they're only going to call the penalty on you so it's it's 6 minutes left in the third period don't don't interrupt me I see you shaking your head there's six minutes left in the third period. You go and retaliate. You get the retaliation call. You're in the box. The Rangers go on the power play. They score. It's the same kind of result. Like, I just don't. I, they're, already, they're already on the power play with you skating off the ice. Yeah, because it's a it's not it's not a great rule. If you if your helmet comes off, you got to get off the ice. And like, the other thing that I heard talked about with the play is the guy's chin strap was still buckled. So what's he gonna do? Take off both gloves behind the net, unbuckle it, put it on. Buckle it back up. That's 15 to 20 seconds of power play time for the Rangers. I mean, it, like. I mean, cut, that is such a bogus excuse. You, you slam it on your head and you finish the shift. Like like he's going to rebuckle his chin strap. I'm just saying that. We, you, watched, we watched McNabb play 10 years of the NFL without his chin strap buckle. Cut me a break. I'm just saying you should be able to continue the shift without your bucket on. Yeah, and I'm just saying, yes, it's a bad rule. But the Pittsburgh Penguins are pussies, as is Sidney Crosby, as is his teammate that didn't drop the gloves. You turn around, you tell that guy, we're going right now. Drop the gloves. Yeah, no, you could do that. And another thing with the Penguins is that they blow a 3-1 series lead. So they 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 can't just blame blame that one play. But I I, I do think the rule's bad. I, I clearly impacted the play. The guy had to get off, and it opens up a little spot in the slot for Zabinajad to rip one home. Place get set off, tie game, go to overtime, they win. Um, they should give you – I think there should be a provision where you should uh, – maybe there's a modification where when the puck leaves your defensive zone, you have to get off. Or if your guy leave, loses his helmet and you ice the puck within the next 10 seconds – that guy can come off or that guy can readjust his, you know what I mean? Like there's gotta be something where 
You give the guy an opportunity to stay in the play. It happens sometimes in college football where a, a, a ref misses a hands to the face and a big O lineman loses his helmet or a running back sometimes loses the helmet and a play stops. I mean, I kind of understand that a little bit more because like you're bashing your brains into another guy's helmet. But I mean, hockey. Yeah, it's not great, but it's not like you're like tackling a dude with no helmet and he's like wearing a big helmet, you know? Yeah. I mean, if he goes and plays that puck without his helmet, I think it's a two minute minor. And like that's stupid. There's got to be like a yeah. 20 second. La- it's got to be like a shot clock like in the in the NBA where it's like 24 seconds or something. So I, I got your your kind of, you know, the, the the new school people will say your old school mentality of just go drop the gloves with the guy. But like. There's six minutes left in game seven. You're holding one goal lead. Is that the yeah, first thing you're going to do? The thing that you have you have to you just got mugged from behind. Yeah, that shit just never happens. Like, he's never going to think of that. I haven't heard anybody talk about this as a potential solution. Everybody says it's a bad rule. You got other people saying he should have went and picked the helmet up. You got other people like you saying, well, the the chin strap was buckled. He couldn't have done that. Here I am, bomb. I tune into, like, 10 games a year. I, I ramp up. I ramp up during the playoffs. And am I the only guy that has to state the obvious? He's got to drop the gloves. I guess so, man. Hockey bomb. NHL after dark with bomb. We got more coming up. Uh, yeah, four four pretty good series coming up. You got Tampa Bay uh, and the Panthers kicking off your Tuesday night. You got the St. Louis Blues and the Colorado Avalanche kicking off your Tuesday night. And then on Wednesday, Rangers, Hurricanes, and Oilers, Flames, the Battle of Alberta, a lot of bl- bad blood talk much um, between those two teams up in Canada. So I really think all all four of these series could be pretty good. Uh, I shouldn't say all four. I think most of them should be pretty good. Uh, if I had to give, you know, one surefire winner here, and, and I don't think it's really saying much. I don't know what the series line is, um, but I think Carolina is a pretty heavy favorite. I think, Carol- I think Carolina is minus 190. I, I, th- I think they sweep the floors with the New York Rangers. Um, yeah. I mean, unless Shesterkin comes back and starts playing out of his mind, but these two teams met in the in the bubble in Edmonton, and I get the Rangers have made some progress since then, but uh, Carolina just Brenda Moore ha- has these guys playing with their heads on fire. They play. Brenda Moore's never lost a game seven as a player or a coach. Yeah, I, this isn't going to get to seven. Like if you if you want a little action, a little plus money, I'd say Hurricanes in five. I like that. Um, I'll tell you, I don't know. I mean, if you want to go through the series, I'd say the series I'm most excited by is is Edmonton and Calgary. It's so sad that those games are going to be on at 930 every single game. Yeah, I'm going to stay up. I'm making it a point. I didn't stay up for for Dallas Calgary game seven. I was I was burnt out after the weekend. I I drank entirely too much at a wedding Saturday. Uh, I played some golf with you and, and a few good buddies on Sunday. I was wiped. I, I watched Artemi Panarin tuck that one in, and I went to bed. Pain. But, no, the Battle of Alberta should be great. Um, I like the Flames. I, I just think the Oilers, you know, Smith is their goalie, Mike Smith, kind of like a journeyman. He's he's flashed a few times, but he's pretty old now. Flames are pretty good. Their goalie's good. They got depth. 
Um, but maybe McDavid just pops off like he did in Game 7, just puts the team on his back. He was insane in Game 7. I mean, it looked like a 16-year-old playing against mites. I mean, he he's incredible. He's the best player in the world. But I'll go Flames there. Um I'm I'm excited for Lightning Panthers. Um, I I want to say Tampa Bay beat them in six last year, but no, no G. Yeah, no G for for the Panthers last year. But and just what I know, you know they beat Toronto and Toronto's pretty good. But for Tampa Bay, I mean Braden Point, he's out game one, banged up. Uh, a lot of these guys they played so much hockey, winning back to back cups. Like they just look a little bit tired. They don't look. Like they got the same juice as they have other years, so I, I it's hard for me to pick against them. I picked them to win the cup before the playoffs, um, but I I wouldn't be shocked. I think it'll be a great series. Now, what about Blues, Avs, St. Louis, Colorado? Obviously, Colorado swept uh, Nashville, made quick work of them. Uh, they're they're the odds-on favorite to win the cup. Uh, the Blues played Minnesota. Took them in six in the first round. I think a lot of people thought that was going to be a close series. But none of the games were really close. Blues won in six. Uh, Colorado swept the St. Louis Blues in the first round last year. and But the St. Louis Blues have a lot of pieces that they had on their Stanley Cup team. And they still have Craig Berube. Um, Obviously have, you know, revenge on the mind after getting swept last year. Uh, I'm going to pick the Avalanche but I think it goes six or seven. But if the Blues won the series, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, Colorado's absolutely loaded, most talented roster. Um, goalie is a little questionable. But the Blues are good. They have depth. They got playoff performers. They got tough guys, O'Reilly, Shen, um, Tory Krug, who used to be on the Bruins. He's with St. Louis now. He's a player. I think he's nicked up, so they really need him to play. But... No, I mean, everybody's on the avalanche. I wouldn't be shocked if the Blues Blues could take that one. So, like I said, outside of Carolina and New York, I think all these series will be electric. Yeah, it's it's heating up. So, if you're not a, if you're not a huge hockey fan, flip it on. Uh, if you can't stand hockey, at the very least, turn on that Edmonton and Calgary series and check out what's going on behind that bench when Calgary's at home. And there's gonna there's gonna be so much rough stuff like after the whistle action with that Edmonton Calgary series it'll be it'll be insane but the one the one I gave my thoughts you know my 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 kind of picks right but but the one I'll put on the record Carolina and five for some plus money all right uh we got the PGA Championship this weekend too I I got to give a pick on that um they're in Tulsa Oklahoma. At I believe Southern Hills Country Club, and defending champ Phil Mickelson nowhere to be found. Uh, apparently, some book came out about him this week that's really going to shed some crazy light on that guy's story and antics and gambling and whatnot. But no Phil at the PGA. I mean, who, who didn't know that? You didn't know about the book, or no. you knew about the book? Who didn't know the guy gambles like insane amount amounts of money? You'll get a kick out of this. So. This this I guess the book I don't know if the book came out yesterday or today or this week whatever. Somebody sent like a snippet in a group chat about Phil 
gambling on golf, like with some guy that was like in a tower at, at one of the tournaments. And he was like flashing like two to one for a 15 footer. He was flashing three fingers, giving him three to one for like a two putt from 50 feet, like all this crazy shit. And, and like you said, most people know that that Phil's a crazy gambler. The one guy goes, responds in the group chat. Wow. Phil really must like to gamble. Like, like he had no idea. That's that's a bad look. That's a really really bad look. This is a golfer too. That's there's no way. Yeah, but no Phil at the PGA. I don't know if you have any thoughts, Bob. Um, but I got a hunch this week. I got a feeling. I think he was already there on Sunday ahead of the tournament with a with an ace in the practice round. But I'm feeling I'm feeling a Colin Morikawa week. Great irons player. What are the odds? Uh, I've seen plus sixteen hundred in some places. I've seen up to plus two thousand. So I might break out of retirement, uh, the temporary gambling retirement, and place a few shackles on Colin. I don't hate that. I don't hate that. I'm I'm I may I may uh, throw a couple bucks on Morikawa. I mean. Uh, you know, I'm just thinking out loud here about a a long shot. You know, G gives you a guy that, that's obviously, uh, you know, a little bit more of, I guess you could, could you say a favorite at, at those odds? He's probably what, top six or top seven in the, in the tournament on odds? Yeah. So sure, we can call him a favorite. I want to, in terms of like a value play, Give me Fleetwood. Love Tommy Fleetwood. Plus eight thousand. I mean, he rolled he rolled it really well at the the Byron Nelson there uh, in his fourth round. Uh, really putted well. Other than that, I haven't really followed much of his game this year. But he's always swagged out. He's got the flow. He just looks like the kind of guy who's just going to get get it done this week. Yeah, Fleetwood must, plus eight thousand. He must be in some tough, tough form if he's a plus eight thousand. Like I feel like he's more of like a middle of the pack, like a three to four thousand guy. Yeah, but he's yeah. up there. He's buried down there with names like Keegan Bradley and Jason Day. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I feel like Day hasn't been that bad recently either. But what the hell do I know? I haven't watched a ton of golf since the Masters. But second major of the year on deck. Got to put a pick in. And we'll be watching the action out in Oklahoma. But we got to round it out. You and I played a round of golf, like I mentioned earlier. Sweetness, the God, Bomb, and myself over at Lulu Country Club on Sunday. And, uh, folks, I'm, I'm happy to tell you that I'm on the board with a victory over Bomb this season. Uh, I wanna- it wasn't a victory. I got fucking worked. Wow. Yeah, well, finally came to play. I don't know. What did I tell you? I just I said I stopped thinking. Just get up and swing. Yeah, your swing your swing looked a lot less uh wonky. It was a little a little more smooth, a little more rhythmic. I thought the tempo was solid. Um Yeah, I, I don't have, I don't have much to say. I mean, I just got to give you your flowers. It was getting a little 
difficult to show up every time we played and like take your I mean, it was like going to an ATM. And I think at some point the last time we played, you you were feeling some kind of way. And, you know, I, I like playing with G. I like, you know, the back and forth, the banter, the shit talking, the cash that gets exchanged. And, you know, to go on such a run at the beginning of the year when my man wasn't even in form yet, it hurt. Like, you know, I, I, this should be like bird and magic, you know, it shouldn't just be Jordan, you know, dominating the league. So, um, glad you can get some dollars back. Why don't, why don't you tell everybody exactly how much you won from the bomb? Yeah. Here, here's the kicker. I, I took home a whopping $5. So me and bomb have our match going and then bomb, bomb brings sweetness, his ringer. I don't know. What does sweetness play to like a seven? No, dude, he's he's like an eleven or a twelve. Oh, I I thought he was a little lower than that. So he might have shot close. He shot an eighty-three. Yeah, I shot I shot ninety-three. I played well, but finished what triple double to shoot away over ninety. And uh, yeah, so we had an individual match going. Then we got the carts going. So it's bomb and his ringer and me and the god. And naturally, uh, you know, bomb didn't have his best stuff on Sunday, but but sweetness carried the load and won the cart match. So after all was said and done, I took home five bucks from bomb. So very small percentage of what's gone bombs way, but hopefully the tide's turning. I will say it was like a tale of two bombs. I mean, you, you played, you played really well. I thought I played relatively well on the front and keep in mind, we were playing the tips and I shot a 46 and then on the back, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what happened. I mean, it was just like the wheels just came off. 57. Worst round of the year. It happens, man. It happens to all of us. Just got to keep swinging. I was just glad you got in your car and put the air conditioning on after the round because you were hot. I was I was not in a good frame of mind. Let's just say that. It's not about losing. It's just about conditions. Let's just say. The conditions were tough. I shot 93 with 40 putts. That's unlike me. I usually shoot 93 with like 25 putts, 30 putts. But I feel like every time I was on the green, the flag was just in some crazy spot. And I was battling for a two putt. It was a ridiculous ridiculous setup on Sunday um which is funny because there was an event earlier so you'd kind of expect that and then you see guys popping off on the event with career rounds and everything else that goes on and you just can't help but shake your head some people sliding into that Lulu Sunday money man we have more guys at Lulu that I mean I think like in Tiger's prime, like they make they make bigger Sunday charges than that guy, than Tiger Woods. It's unbelievable. You don't know how it happens. Stunning. Just a t- ten handicaps comes out, shoots a seventy four. <laughs> yeah, it happened. It happened. It was real. Um, but no, it, it was a good time, man. Um, nice day, good time. Course was tough. And yeah, you you brought your ringer, saved your ass. It's all good. 
Um, can't get on you too hard because you've been kicking my ass and finally got got in the win column. But we'll we'll, we'll keep it going through the season. And uh, like I said, ho- hopefully the tide's turning. But we we need a good day out there where it's like I shoot an eighty eight and you shoot an eighty nine or you shoot an eighty five and I shoot an eighty six. Like we we need to start playing some golf, man. It's bad because like earlier in the week. I don't I don't know if it's like I can't play 18 holes or maybe there's a different vibe when we when we ride versus walk but early in the week I played 9 holes and shot a 42. And it was also real- like It was also like the hottest day so far this year it was humid as shit. Yeah, yeah. you were kind of in your bag, couple pops. I was hungover as hell. You just you just fade after like 15. Yeah. Yeah, it's just and then you and then you just throw a couple more drinks back, and then it just all falls off the rails. Yeah, it's all good. But always a good time with sweetness and the God and bomb, and we'll just keep hacking, keep grinding. But what did you so so just to fill everybody in when you talk about like conditions and whatnot? The eighteenth hole, I damn near lost it. Um, it's up against a road, right? I blow I blow a drive left trying to punch out i hit a tree square in the square in the damn uh you know trunk think you, think you netted about three feet on the shot yeah it came it dribbled right back to my feet basically and you know i go to take the next shot and literally across the across the fairway you know on the road i mean was it the indy 500 was it daytona i mean you tell me i mean it was like a non-passing furious, road. Man. You can't think, like. You can't saw, pass. There's two. There's two lines, and this guy is like Vin Mario Diesel. Andretti. As I'm trying to stand over a ball, he's fucking blowing past like ten other cars. I mean, what? Where the hell are the police? Bob was standing over the fucking ball, and Vin Diesel goes and passes somebody at like 75 miles an hour on, on a two-lane road where you clearly can't pass. You know the sight lines aren't great. This guy rips it by. <laughs> Bob just gets up from over his ball and goes, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> We're on the 18th hole. This guy's hitting it in the trees. Oh, my God. It it it, it just put the bow on the day for you, man. <laughs> I was just so pissed. Like, how are there, how are there no police sitting in the entrance of... I mean, you could write a ticket every five minutes. Yeah, and everybody's got the, uh, not the subwoofers, but. No we'll, muffler. Yeah, the muff, the muffler. Yeah, NO2. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was because it was a nice day, but you would have thought it was the Fast and the Furious around the perimeter of Lulu Country Club on Sunday. Mustangs rolling around. I mean, even at, at 16 and 17, we got convertibles running around bumping music as you're trying to stand over your ball it's just so disappointing people yelling at you like i i i i was about to there were a couple instances where if i was an athlete at all i was about to jump the fence and just like strangle the driver like i'm not even kidding like it was just like outrageous what was going on you gotta battle through the elements man it only makes you stronger and tougher out there yeah i sound like joel Embiid right now (laughs) <laughs> if I hit a good shot, it doesn't go in. If I hit a if 
if I if I think about a good shot, a car drives by. <laughs> yeah, it was tough. It was fun though. Yeah, there's always hecklers in their cars around that course. It's it's kind of wild, but yeah, we'll get back out there. You got anything else? Any no bones to pick this week? Hang on. Let me double check. Double check. I, I don't think you do. Me. You did hit him with a double bone last week, so. I think it's bone free. Bone free week. Um, yeah, NHL playoffs. I guess we're looking forward to PGA Championship. Phillies. Phillies are hitting a stride potentially. We'll see. We'll get into it if they do. Um, but yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Thank you to the sponsors, Shamrock Sun, Menard Premium Detailing. Uh, wherever you're listening, feel free to hit us with a subscribe uh, and a rating. And we're on Instagram, at Thoughts from the Shade, Twitter, TFTS Pod, new Twitter account. We're over there now as well. Uh, give us a follow and enjoy the week. We'll talk to everyone again in a few days here. All right, the joke's on us. Uh, we're back. Me and Bob were shooting the breeze post-episode. The guy says, turn the recording back on. I got a bone to pick. So, Bob, the floor is yours. I'm sorry. Uh, this was not a stunt. Uh, we finished up recording. We were just shooting the shit, shooting the breeze, and I'm scrolling through Instagram. And finally, the post comes across my feed. I mean, you would think this stuff would have been suggested. Um. I'll read you the post. Golf. Period. Visualizing a 300-plus yard bomb down the middle of the fairway. Swing felt great. Apparently, the swing wasn't great. Need a new driver. Just kidding. Spent too, much, spent too long looking for the ball with no luck. Laugh it off with the fellas. And at Taylor Heineke picks us up with the putter. Do it all over again on the next hole. Fun times on the links with teammates and coaches. This loser. This hack bum. Carson Wentz. Just put up a golf post. And he's wearing a hat that just says farms on it. Farms. Dude, I saw the post. Um... I gave I I should I send him the, should I tag him in the video of my my analysis of him playing golf during uh during the HBO series Hard Knocks? You got we got to resurface it at least on our Instagram page. Way over people. the top. He's a bum. He stinks. <laughs> it's a it's a flailing duck down the fairway just like his footballs. I got a real serious problem with this guy. Obviously, I mean I have for years, but the night they picked. The kid from UNC, the quarterback in the fifth round, Sam Howe. He's putting up pictures of him working on the farm and this, that, and the other. Now he's playing a new sport. I mean, this guy has no killer instinct, and then he needs his backup to make the putt to win the hole? That tells that, me all I need to know. That was the thought that went through my head. Like, this isn't the only time Heineke's going to be mopping up for Wentz. <laughs> so that's my bone to pick of the week. This guy is now disgracing the sport of golf but uh yeah i'm uh, i'm gonna post post it to the to the story give you guys the swing analysis that i gave you months ago just hate to see it 
Yeah, the new 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 followers need to get their eyes on that. Uh, they'll get a kick out of that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess we'll just leave it at that, right? Yep. All right. Have a good week, everybody. Peace.